are so very happy to welcome our special guest, ball player, country music artist, and proud to be in baseball founder, Brian Ruby. Brian, welcome. So happy to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. We're super excited to be talking to you today. And um, just usually here on No Crying in Baseball, the first question that we throw out to our interviews is to just ask the person about their personal connection to baseball. So, you know, thinking about in the very beginning, what got you into baseball? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, way back. Remember that far back, right? <laughs> someone who's been in the game for probably two decades because I'm 27 and, you know, I was probably – I don't know, four or five years old. My dad gave me a little foam uh-huh. baseball bat in the driveway, and I've been a ball player ever since. All right, so it came. So Very it came nice. from dad. That was the the impetus. That was the first mm-hmm. influence. My dad is yeah. He, he was a, a pitcher back in the day, okay. back in the dark ages, as <laughs> we like to tease him about. Um, he played. He, he was a Division One pitcher, and then pitched overseas in Australia. Ah. Um, for a little bit, and then uh, was a former college coach and current high school coach. Oh, fantastic! So a long time baseball guy, baseball in the blood, and uh, I actually, you know, uh, they were they lived in Baltimore or sort of in the Maryland Baltimore area um, when my mom was pregnant with me, and uh, they were huge Cal Ripken Junior oh. fans. 95 when he was about to break Lou Gehrig's Ironman record mm-hmm. and they my, my mom was like severely pregnant with me in September 95 I was born October 5th 95 and the deal that she made with my dad was if her they wanted to go to the record-breaking game if her water broke <laughs> while they were at Camden Yard my name was going to be Cal so <laughs> so that's so that's about as far as I, I mean I go back with baseball to the room. I'm going to like interject here because my son is named Camden Uh for Camden Yards. So I totally get this. And his first baseball game at Camden Yards was at Cal's last season. So I feel a connection already. You know, it's like, there you go. I I totally get that. Yeah. I was wondering where the Cal Ripken reference came from in the, you know, in in our like materials that we got about you ahead of time, because I see that you grew up around Philadelphia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Grew up as a Phillies fan. Yeah. Okay. So I had some formative years in King of Prussia. Okay. So my my my, my middle school years were there. I'm like, oh, so I had a little bit of Phillies fandom back then too. Excellent. Well, I'm going to ask you the parallel question to the baseball question: Is what got you into music? Really, baseball. Hmm. Actually, like, no way. Just if you go to like I played um, for a, a, a baseball team in high school called the Chester County Crawdads, and great name. And we would play in these tournaments in Georgia and Florida, and, and I would go down in, in Virginia. And baseball was always, or country music was always on at the ball field. So that was kind of how I got into it. And years later, that turned into me bringing a guitar down to, you know, playing it on the on the team bus and everything. Um, as I've gotten, as I've grown older, kind of stuck with it and. And finally, after my first pro season in 2019, decided to relocate to Nashville and have lived here ever since for about three and a half years and have been writing songs for country music artists and most recently within the past year releasing songs of my own. So I saw that you went to Vassar on a vocal scholarship and you captained the baseball team. That had to have been an unusual combination to find in one student. Yeah, yeah. The vocal scholarship story is kind of interesting. I, uh, I it was, it's a very fancy kind of place, and and the the vocal audition, you know, there was everybody was like dressed up in very nice attire and and singing sort of, uh, I guess, classical music like la la la, you know, like uh, very fancy stuff. And I walked in in my boots and jeans and sang a kind of song. <laughs> And uh, was was the the only I guess that they said the first country singer to get the vocal scholarship. So wow, very cool. And then did you, did you walk onto the baseball team? Then you're like, okay. I, by the way, I also have these other skills, these mad skills that you need to know about. They, I wasn't a walk on. I was recruited. Uh, I mean, they oh, cool. they knew they they knew cool. it was uh yeah it was you know a school that's not traditionally known for baseball. But I, I'm proud that we made the conference tournament two two out of my three years there. And um, it was really 
a fun experience and we had was playing ball and and playing music and coffee shops and bars and we had a band we did battle of the bands you know just like my friends and i and it was really a cool cool place to be for a couple years and i was actually making trips to nashville to meet people as far back as as you know as then and and kind of setting up to move here one day so you're in school you're doing both of these things and then you end up in indie ball like right Mm -hmm. out is that right out of college i originally out of college i went to play in germany Uh Uh, i played the 2019 season in germany i uh, went down i didn't have a contract after that but i i got lucky because i met some guys who were playing these exhibition games down in south america so i went with them in march first week of march 2020 uh, played down in Peru at the Pan American Stadium in Lima, and then took a bus down the coast in, to Chile uh, and played down there. And then all of a sudden, we everything got shut down. Um, I was yeah, going to yeah. go on a two-year contract back to Europe. Uh, that got canceled, never happened because of COVID, and uh, ended up going back that summer to uh, coach a, a college summer team up in New England, the Brockton Rocks. Um, hey. In the future, summer 2020, um, played in the Guatemala Professional Winter League for the Guatemala City Lobos, uh, winter 2020 to 21, and then indie ball more recently and, and still going. So that's my baseball resume right there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that. Okay, so I think Potty Mouth has some serious interest in international yeah, baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Like that was that was my jam. When I saw that you'd been playing baseball in seven countries, I was yeah. super curious, especially I mean, you know how the recent World Baseball Classic has just amplified how each country has their like special flair you know whether it's the cheerleaders in taiwan or the conga drums in the stands in cuba or the dancing in Mm -hmm. the dominican republic so in your experience in being all these different countries what are some of the customs or celebrations that you noticed that you felt like all right this is something special about baseball here oh my god uh i feel like every place is different um i mean I've just loved seeing the different brands of mm-hmm. baseball in the different places, whether it's Europe, where as much, there's much more of a focus. It's much less about the major league spectacle yeah. that we kind of take for granted here. Right. And it's more about sort of like indi- individual like development and team camaraderie, like, and, and they're not, they don't quite have it in their minds that, that one day we're going to play for the Yankees mm-hmm. or the Orioles or whoever. Uh, so that brand is interesting. The the Latin American brand is interesting. It's very much uh, louder. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, the things like um, noisemakers in the, in the stands. Um, and uh, one of my coolest experiences, we were in Tocopilla, Chile in uh, March 2020, right before COVID. And our team arrived and like the whole town knew who we were, even though it was the most bizarre place just kind of because they cared so much about baseball. And it's like, we saw this with Japan, Mm -hmm. right? With their viewership, like the entire country watching the world baseball classic. And which I think by the way is, is amazing and good for baseball. And it's like a win all around. I know people were criticizing it because a couple guys got hurt, but a lot of people also got hurt in spring training. So it's, you know, whatever, but like there's never been like there was, I think I 269 players this year, like who were born internationally on opening day rosters and like the, you know, the teams having success, like the Astros had the most Mm -hmm. who has 16. I've read this. I was just reading this this morning in an article. So clearly it like translates to success. It's just an interesting time in baseball because there's, there's interest, you know, and excitement internationally and MLB has been doing a ton of stuff to promote women mm-hmm. on the field. Um, and, and there's like 14 of them this year. And again, I, I, yeah. I don't necessarily think that you should like have to segment that out, but right now it's sort of the same thing with LGBTQ people. Like why do we need to seg- segment them out? And we can kind of get into that a little bit later, but I, I think that all these things are showing that, baseball what when it's it started as you know we think of it as america's pastime and it's like 
people have a very fixed mindset of what baseball should be. But we're seeing rule changes. Obviously, we're less than a week into the season, so we don't know how those are going to play out. But the game is moving quicker. There's excitement internationally. There's women involved. We're LGBTQ people involved. It's evolved. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. huge, huge. But so before we we leave the international stage a little bit, I'm just curious, when you're spending the time in another country, what's your living situation like? And like beyond the ball field, how much time do you have yeah. to do stuff like just kind of go out and see the sights? And I'm just very selfishly uh, particularly interested in the time that you spend in Guatemala because I've spent a lot of time there. So I would love to know like where you stayed and what yeah. kind of stuff you got to do outside of you know, being doing the yeah. play every day. So in Europe, the team put me up in a hotel for the summer, which was really nice. Mm. So I basically just lived there uh, and I would have breakfast there every morning um, in Guatemala City. I was we were in this sort of like kind of like a boarding house um, and I, I was sleeping on a on a single little mattress on the floor in a house with. <laughs> three concrete walls and a tin roof, you know. Sounds like the Miami. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've been there, there in Guatemala, like, so I know what you're talking about. Yeah. We had an abuela, mm. a grandmother, who was sort of like the grandmother of the neighborhood who would have a cook food and we would go over. They had a little garage. We would go. It was like a makeshift bootleg restaurant. Yeah. And um, I made $300 a month. U.S. dollars in Guatemala, and the, the cost of living down there was so cheap compared to here that we would go for like a full meal, and it would be like a dollar fifty, you know, U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and I actually came back with yeah. money, which was crazy. <laughs> did did the- a novel concept for somebody in indie ball to come back and make yeah. money? Did for the sure. roosters wake you so, up? Sorry, Patty. I just like that. Did, did the roosters wake you up in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of, there were a lot of animals. <laughs> Sounds like Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was, you said you, you, you brought your guitar with you when you were like, did, did that happen internationally? Did you get some mm. international music exposure that like fed into what you do? I did. Um, yeah. We, we've had, you know, people think of country music as, as like, just regional in the u.s but honestly it's i've what i've been able to experience playing baseball around the world is that there are a whole lot of country music fans in different places too so it's been really nice and music has always been especially as i have kind of uh went through like the coming out stuff um music has always been a very nice outlet baseball is there's always pressure around it and and you know it's it's uh, exhausting at times being on the road for long stretches over the course of the summer and, and going from place to place playing and, and um, you know, for a journeyman ball player like me, it's nice to have a musical outlet and it's kind of where I'm, where I, everything's moving in that direction with my life, but you know, my heart's still in baseball. So let's get back to what you're talking about with being segmented and being the first and being the only and how it's it's a shame that we have to segment, but there it is. I mean, we often talk about whether it's women in baseball or it's people coming out in professional sports. We always say we hate that we have to say it's the first. We're glad it happened. Yeah. But we're always disappointed that we have to single that out. As, so here's the first time or the second time that that's happened. Yeah. So we, we would love you, if you feel comfortable talking about coming out publicly in 2021, um, mm-hmm. a couple of things that I was thinking about is do you think anything would have been different had you been playing for MLB rather than indie ball at the time? And then also, um, did you have a plan for like, you know, you do a lot of advocacy work now. Was that kind of part of what you were part of, like your decision about when and where to to, to do what you did? Or did that come later? Yeah. Um, well, a bunch of questions. Um, yeah, I know. I got a lot. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> honestly, I my, the coming out that was really more important in my life was five years prior mm. I came out as gay to my friends and family and my college teammates when I was 21. So mm-hmm. people knew, but I was always kind of told by different people in baseball that if you ever post something with your boyfriend, um, if you ever post any rainbow things, you'll never get a job again. And that really bugged me. Um, I was over at, at my partner's parents' house, his mom's house for the first time for Christmas in 2020 
after coming off of a good season in Guatemala and uh, a good winter ball season. I had numbers. I was ready to sign for indie ball. Hadn't yet signed. I knew I was about to. I didn't want to mess with anything. We took this great picture with me, him, and his mom. Um, and it really, really tore me up because I wanted to I open up Instagram to post it like anybody my age would. And I felt like I couldn't that it was going to put my job at risk. And that was really the reason why I decided like, I'm going to, you know, if I get my job back, I want to do this publicly. I, I grew up, I wanted to be a major league baseball player, like anybody who ever picks up a ball. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had heroes in baseball, a big growing up in Pennsylvania, a big Jim Tomey fan, Chase Utley. Those were kind of like the guys that, were my heroes in baseball, but I didn't really have anybody like me that I could see. They say, if you could see it, you can be it. And I'm not the, I, I always push back against this. I'm not the first gay baseball player ever. Um, there are these two guys, Glenn Burke and Billy Bean, who are major leaguers who came out after they retired. And, you know, but I didn't, wasn't aware of who they were when I was a kid. So like the information wasn't out there, or at least I didn't see it. Um, the information was out there, but it wasn't very, it wasn't like social media now where everything spreads. So, um, I very much felt alone. And when I got my contract back in 2021, I felt strongly that I needed to, I wanted to come out cause I was ready in my life and I'm proud of who I am. And, you know, I wanted to show people that you can be proud of who you are and play baseball. But those two things, you don't have to pick between those two things. It's the 2020s. Like, this is not, you know, maybe that's the, that was the case 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But really, like, you can be proud of who you are and, and play baseball. And um, I, I came out and I got so many messages from different athletes that I decided it was about six weeks later um, on National Coming Out Day in 2021 was when I decided to officially uh, launch our charity, Proud to Be in Baseball. It's proudtobeinbaseball.org, at Proud to Be in Baseball on Instagram, Facebook, um, and at Proud Baseball on Twitter because the name was too long. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's, you know, we, we decided to start this nonprofit 501c3 uh, charity to try to be the thing that I didn't have as a kid that could have helped me the most as a young LGBTQ person who loves baseball and wants to play baseball, um, but can't see anybody else like him. They say, if you could see it, you mm -hmm. can be. So one of the things, probably the thing that I'm most proud of after coming out publicly in baseball is that I've been able to stay in baseball. Number one. Um, and number two is, is that, you know, now other players are, are coming out and there's a few that have come out since and, and, uh, a few of them I know pretty well, <laughs> you know, from, from, cause we're a, a small little tight circle, but, um, you know, it's, I'm proud of where we're going and that the game is, is becoming more inclusive for everyone. We, we definitely want to get more into your organization in a second, but I'm just curious about the, the process of making a public announcement while you're on a baseball team. Did you need to like work with the team or did you just do it separately? And, and there it is. Did you have to go through like, you know, PR and all of that to say, Hey, I'm going to do this. Be ready. That is a good question. Um, I did not. Um, I really wrestled with this because like, I didn't necessarily want to tell our coaching staff. I didn't feel like they needed to know why would a straight player have to tell its coach like, Hey uh, coach, I have a girlfriend. You know, why would I need to say, Hey coach, I have a boyfriend. Um, but it was actually Kirk Walker. Who's the president of the sports equality foundation and assistant coach of UCLA softball team. I'm one of the first out division one coaches in, in college sports who, who counseled me and, and said that, I should tell the coaching staff just because, you know, I didn't want them to get blindsided by reporters um, after it happened. And, and so I, I made, I had a, a good relationship with our hitting coach, a great guy, another guy with a baseball name. His first name's Garrick. <laughs> <Wow. laughs> yeah. His first name's Garrick and his, his kids, 
he named his his daughter Maris. <laughs> nice, too. good. So, total baseball. God, I hope she plays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, but a great guy. And I kind of told him and, you know, so people on the coaching staff and in the organization knew, um, I was probably, you know, uh, uh, talking to other pro athletes, definitely worried about a little bit of a media firestorm. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody really cares about independent baseball very much <laughs> to be honest, but, um, at least not compared to the, the big, uh, excitement and spectacle of the big leagues. But um, I definitely was sort of aware because I had Googled gay baseball player and had not been able to find anybody actively playing at any level who was out at the time. Um, so I kind of had an idea that it, it may catch on, but I really yeah. had no idea the extent that it would. Um, and it was it was a life-changing moment and a moment that allowed me to, you know, we, we did everything right. We I feel like... Um, my teammates had my back. You know, I had been playing well. I had been um, really working hard and, and, and um, you know, had earned the respect of my peers. So they had my back. So I really didn't encounter any of the issues that I thought might happen. Um, you know, opposing teams treated me with respect. And it, I, I think that I can be an example of somebody who, who – the last thing I wanted was there to be drama around coming out. I, I honestly didn't think of it as coming out. I thought of it as inviting in. This is who I am. This is just one little part of me. I play baseball. I like country music. I like barbecue. Like, you know, these. It's, not, it's on the list of all the things. It's like, think, yeah. And by yeah. the way, I have a boyfriend and we're in love. Like, and so my teammates treated me with respect and we made it all the way to the our league's championship game that season and our second baseman drew um, we were in the clubhouse before the championship game and we were ready to party, you know, and uh, he said that he said, are you going to come to the championship party if we win? And I said, well, yeah, of course I'm going to come. And he said, well, if you're there, we just want to let you know that your boyfriend better be there too. Oh wow! Yay! And Yay. To, to hear that from a base mm. from a tough macho baseball player who can squat like four hundred and fifty pounds and you know yep. hit a ball like to the moon that meant the world to me. And we didn't end up winning that day, but you know it was really we didn't win that game, but but we won life. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, you like, did. I'm was, so glad to hear that. God, yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. That's the right thing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when we were talking just now about Googling gay baseball players, you weren't the only one doing that. We were doing that a lot, too, because, I mean, this is just an issue that's very near and dear to both of our hearts for a variety of reasons. And so when we yeah. actually, you know, found out about Proud to Be in Baseball, we were super excited about it. And we mentioned you briefly. Well, we found you first uh, mentioned in September 2021 and proud to be in baseball oh. June 2022 how close were we to the actual uh, dates of both of those oh months away I think for the for the organization though right because it's a coming out yeah. day yeah true but the uh, the organization really started as it's a super grassroots effort started as a website mm-hmm. like we we've needed some time to kind of grow and we officially now have a board of directors and and have have grown and and so it makes sense why you didn't hear okay. about it for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Pretty good though. We're, we're happy that you're there. Um, and who are the other key players in, in the founding of Proud to Be in Baseball? Yeah, I founded it with two other guys, Michael Holland and Sam Colwell. Sam was a, a high school player who came out and encountered some homophobia on the field, got called some stuff um, you know, a few years ago when he came out. And Michael came out in college um, back when he was playing. And so we sort of founded it together. Uh, we, we have a, a slightly, we've evolved a little bit um, to include some more people who are kind of on the industry side of baseball. People have worked in baseball um, and just worked in sports. And I think one of the biggest things, you know, you start a charity, you start it with a very pure mission. And one of the biggest things that I've realized is this thing needs to exist as a business. We're not making money. I, it's all full, fully volunteer, but we need us. We're going to try to, you know, our, our mission statement is we're dedicated to advocating 
educating and creating opportunities for the next generation of LGBTQ baseball Beautiful. players. So it's very specifically focused. And for us to do this, we need a, we need a good structure to like business people to help, help us with business structure. I love baseball players, but sometimes we're not the most organized. <laughs> well, you're not trained for that. I mean, you, you have different skill sets. Yeah. And that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, but it's evolving and it's, you know, we'll, we'll be back in Baltimore for pride night. Sweet. I know we were talking about the Orioles later last year. I took 17 flights during June alone. Uh, going yeah. To big month, big month. <laughs> it's exhausting, but it was meaningful. I mean, going to different pride nights and, and working with teams and speaking and, and doing events. And this year it's going to be more like it's, we've already, it's going to be a little nuts, but I, I really believe in what we're doing and it's, it's making a change and it's meaningful. And I think we're on a, even though there's a whole lot of, for, for lack of better word, like venom mm-hmm. in the media about LGBTQ topics right now, I think in baseball, we're at a really, really, um, what do they call it back in school? Like a point of mm-hmm. inflection. Right. Like a key moment where teams are starting to embrace LGBTQ acceptance and we have to kind of push that through and we're working to do yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, was is it all teams except for two with Pride Nights at this point? Is it that the Rangers aren't going to come so. around and the Yankees just have a policy? Right. Or I think that's it. Yeah. The, yeah. The Yankees, though, they do a they don't do a traditional Pride Night. Pride Night. They do a whole bunch of stuff with the Stonewall mm-hmm. Inn, um, which is sort of. Um, a, you know, a historic LGBT place. And so they, they have in their own kind of way have done a bunch of stuff to help the LGBTQ community. And I think also some LGBT youth centers in New York. So they, they do, it's just not a traditional pride night. Right. But Cause it's, cause the yeah. Yankees, cause, the, cause Yankees. the Yankees. Yeah. So, so like, what are some of like the, the, the day-to-day things that proud to be in baseball is going to do. So I, I get like the visibility things like you're going to show up at a pride mm-hmm. night and be visible and, you know, and, and be like this, you know, if, if you can see, you can be it out there. Are, are there like smaller scale, like yes. reaching student athletes and all of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've done um, a bunch of smaller scale programs most recently within the past week. Um, worked with a group of students at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University here in Nashville um, and uh, Vanderbilt Athletics as well. Um, so yeah, we, I've heard of them. <laughs> yeah, we heard, people heard of that. Right. Um, to answer your question, we have a bunch of different lines of communication out with different LGBTQ people in baseball. So a lot of what we actually do is not public. It's not stuff that we're posting on Instagram. It's it's communicating and working with lots of different people in the baseball world on a private scale to kind of advance the ball forward. So, so that's probably the, the more public stuff is when we're on field for pride night, taking a picture, you know, giving a speech or something, mm-hmm. but the actual meaningful stuff is the day to day. So, so thinking about this sort of like bringing it all together, where would, do you see proud to be in baseball in say like five years, what would be your ideal where the organization is in, you know, the not too yeah. distant future, but a little way around down the road. I would like this to be the go-to organization for all things LGBTQ in baseball. Mm. Um, I want to be working with as many teams as we possibly can and with major league baseball on a corporate level. Um, that's one thing that we've tried and tried and have never really been able to get through to anybody at MLB corporate. And it's something that I would hope that they see us eventually. I know that we, this is just like in baseball where you have to prove it over and over that you belong on the field. We want to prove that we belong and that we're doing good things for baseball. This is not a controversial topic. doesn't have to be right. right? LGBTQ acceptance is something that can help baseball be better, right? Just like having women on the field, just like the world baseball classic expanding, you know, they say record numbers of growing the game, record numbers of youth are identifying as LGBTQ. There's no reason why those people should turn on the TV to watch a major league baseball game and not be able to see anybody like them. 
it's a huge marketing miss if, and, and just a huge, huge miss for the game overall, right? They need to, we need to have these athletes feel like they can be themselves because they're there. We know they're there. And we, we work with many of them on a private level at, at proud to be in baseball. But I, I want, I really want them to, to kind of understand. And it's the same thing with at, at the lower levels. We, a big event for us this off season was the ABCA American baseball coaches association convention where there's 8,000 uh, baseball coaches from around the world there. There was a diversity presentation, actually back to back, two of them, um, four hours of diversity stuff. And at the end I stood up and um, I said in front of all these people, um, you know, this was amazing. We sat through this whole diversity presentation, but I didn't hear the word LGBT mentioned once. Mm. Um, can anybody tell me anything that's being done to help actual LGBTQ people, players, especially in baseball? And it was crickets. And there were people from Major League Baseball there. There were people from the NCAA there, uh, from the ABCA. And I, and I said, I'm not here to criticize, you know, that's not the point, but I just want to bring this up. I felt like this is the appropriate place for this. And if you are interested in working on some things to help LGBTQ people in baseball, come talk to us. So it was, so we came away with a stack of business cards that's on my desk of people who want to help this, you know, and, and so again, we're at the early stages that that's where I see this going. I, I got to believe that coaches are such an important in because they're the ones who set the environment. They set the culture Yeah. for how the team functions. Yeah. And, and a lot of the coaches that we spoke with at the convention are, are coaching at younger levels. So not pro, but, but college or high school or, you know, on the local level. And um, those coaches want the best for their players, right? All coaches want their players to, to be the, best versions of themselves that they can possibly be. But baseball coaches as a whole on a macro level, maybe aren't the most well-versed in talking about LGBT sure. topics. Right. So, so that's kind of why we, we hand delivered a magnet. We handed one out to everybody that we saw at the conference and we said, Hey coach, put this in your locker room, you know, put this in your office. So the kids who need that, We'll be able to see it. It's our logo. I should be wearing this T-shirt right now. I'm not. Um, it's a. You go to proudtobebaseball.org. It's a, a rainbow on a baseball field. You know, it's a noticeable logo. It's something that you don't necessarily see a lot in baseball around the one baseball. night a year. We see it one night a year in baseball. Right. One night a year, and and you know, so the kids who need that will be able to see it in the locker room and and. There's a QR code on the magnet that we handed out to all of these coaches where the kids will be able to scan it. Everybody's got a phone and get connected. And it's like there's no reason why what happened to me as a kid should should be happening with that. I felt so alone that there was nobody else out there like me. And in this day and age, for those of you listening on the podcast can't see it, but I'm holding up my phone. That's my dog. <laughs> my screen. Um, <laughs> Everybody's got one of these. Everybody can Google anything, you know, at any moment. And nobody should feel alone like I did. So that, so we're, I mean, there's so much, there's a lifetime of work that we can do in the baseball world is so big, right? So many millions of people play baseball and there's, there's a lifetime of work that we can do specifically around LGBTQ acceptance in our sport. And I've, I've got a lot of questions over the past year. Why don't you expand to other sports? Why don't you <laughs> cover, cover more things? And I was like, baseball, like this is, there are LGBT charities out there. There are sports charities. We really need to just focus in on this and, and do this well. Because there's a lot of work to be done there. I, just, I mean, I just want to take Absolutely. a moment to, to profoundly thank you for the work that you're doing because you are saving lives. I mean, it's not just, you're making baseball better because if you get a high quality player into baseball, that's going to make the sport better. And anybody can be a high quality player regardless of, of how they identify. But you're also saving lives because there are those kids who have that anxiety in the locker room, who are freaking out, who would be able to perform better 
if they had someplace safe to go and you are that safe place. So deep gratitude to, to, for all the work Thank that you're doing. Thank you. Um, a lot of one thing I was thinking about yesterday, you know, I, I rewatched the movie 42, mm. right. And people used to say, Oh, black people can't right. play baseball. Right. Right. And we've seen, <laughs> if you've seen the movie, you know, um, and here we are a few decades later and many of the best players in the history of the game have been black mm-hmm. players. Well, I dream about a world where when I'm a senior citizen, hopefully, you know, <laughs> hopefully I'm still around uh, in in a few decades um, where people say, you know, where a few of the best players in the game, whether they're all stars or Hall of Famers or, oh, you know, they're they're members of the LGBTQ plus community. So it, it's it's really like an issue that we're just like on the ground floor of every day and evolving. And I think something that, that could be good for the game. For sure. And I think we're starting to see that a little bit in even in popular culture around baseball too. Like, you know, clearly the name of our podcast comes from, you know, League of Our Own, which I am one of the few people who will say, I, the movie's fine. But the you know, TV that's the TV good. series. The TV show is good. And that's, that's exactly it. At. I mean, like, the, the, the show had body shaming and ignored racism, ignored homophobia. And the TV show is completely comfortable mm-hmm. leaning into the mm-hmm. racism and the homophobia of that time. And people are like, oh, yeah, this is a good show. Yeah. The TV show just won an award at the Glad Awards. Oh, nice. Um, so, they, so they, yeah, I mean, they, they were. It was, I mean, if, if y'all haven't seen it yet for the listeners, I would highly recommend it. Yep. Let's just say that. Yep. It, may, it definitely brings more pride to us for having the name that we have after the, after the TV <laughs> show has come out. Yeah. Yeah, but for sure. I mean, there's so many ways to get at it. There's like the popular culture to win over the masses, the mm-hmm. fans. And then there's what you're doing, which is directly helping individual athletes who need that support. They need that connection. And so, yeah, so we're really grateful that you do that. Um, we're going to do a little switch here and let you talk about your music Okay, a little bit. So I'm going to give you my full disclosure uh-huh. about country music is that I really only listen to country music in my son's truck and uh-huh. in the ballpark for walk-up songs. Okay. It's not been my thing. All right. It's not been my thing, but I have an open mind. I want okay. you to <laughs> I have an open mind. So I want to tell you, so opening day, as you know, we went to the Nats park on opening day. I'm walking down the concourse before the game. And of course, Center Field starts getting pumped in through the PA system. And yep. I look around and everybody is singing. They're in the beer line. They're in the hot dog line. They're finding, and everybody is singing. And I got to say, when I listened to Baseball Country, I thought, this sounds like a baseball anthem. This sounds like it's like, you know, it's it wants to be that song. It feels like it's got the bones to be that song. Yeah, well. And it, do you kind of have awesome. that in mind? Are you thinking like, I want I want that song. I want this to be a go-to baseball song. I mean, that would be ideal, I, I guess. It's like, you know, as a as a songwriter and someone who writes a lot of songs for other artists and as well as myself, like you never truly know what people are going to think of a song, but this song had a very specific purpose. I've had teammates over the years when I've been playing guitar on the back of the bus say, can you write me a walk-up song? Oh, wow. And so this (laughs) baseball country is that. Like it's rock, yeah. it's upbeat, it's, it's it's like everybody's walk up song though. I mean, come on, it sounds like it should be everybody's yeah. walk up song. <laughs> you gotta spread the word. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's uh I mean you never really know what's gonna happen with the song, but I've been very, very fortunate to be around a bunch of great musicians in Nashville who have helped me, you know, in the recording process and and um as, as co-writers on the song and we we got a an amazing group of musicians um, who like you know they don't have any business having to play with me a new artist you know these are musicians who play with really big artists and but they wanted to help me out and help me record this in a really good way so i'm very thankful for that so you were telling us earlier before we started recording that you spent like something like five hours today songwriting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is that like, a, tell, tell us about that a little bit. What does that feel like? What is that? Yeah. Five is like a little much. Usually it's like three uh, songwriting sessions are like probably three hours. 
But um, when I'm in Nashville, when I'm not on the road for baseball or a charity, I'm always writing, working on music, um, both for myself and for other artists that I write for. But this is where I want to go. You know, I, I'm envisioning this season as probably my last one playing baseball. We will always do our proud to be in baseball charity stuff. That's not going anywhere. But um, I've had an amazing career on the ball field and have been able to play for almost a decade longer than most people who, who play through the end of high school till they're 18 and have been so blessed to, to play in – Seven different countries overseas is going to be a few more this summer and, and independent ball in the U.S. And but music is is where everything's going. And and I'm kind of writing a whole bunch of songs that are like a dedication to my time in baseball right now. And I want to release them when I'm ready to be done playing ball. And whether that's towards the end of this season or, or later, I'm not quite sure yet, but um, that's definitely sort of where my my heart is right now i mean i i'm looking at this and i'm saying okay you're somebody who's making a living making music and also playing professional baseball and these are like dreams that little kids have usually separately not in the same breath and you've got them both going on so this is really pretty awesome it's it's a it's hard to keep both of those up at a high level yeah, I would like, think it's sometimes, you know, the day to day of it is oh, I'm always working on something like today. We had five and a half hours of, of songwriting stuff and then going to the batting cage. Like it's just, you know, it's it's about time management and, and balancing it. But but yeah, I I've been so lucky, like for me as a closeted little 14 year old gay kid who dreamed about being a major league baseball player. You know, if you would have told that kid and say, hey, one day you're going to be 27 and you're going to be writing songs for real life country music artists because you love country music. And, you know, I grew up with it and that was always like I worked for my hometown country radio station back home in high school and that I would be doing that and out with a boyfriend like in love. And still playing baseball like that was that I wouldn't believe you. I would slap you and say that you're <laughs> myself. Making this crazy. up. Sorry, exactly. <laughs> but you know, like that doesn't happen. And I have got to do this. And but I I want it all to to kind of help help that kid. You know, to sort of be the person that I couldn't see when I was that age. And um. That's really the mission behind all this. We're I'm involved in a few different things. Um, a documentary that's in the works uh, with the same mission. If if I had been able to watch what we're making, you know, when I was a kid, it would have helped me and saved me years of struggling. If I had been able to listen to this positive, inclusive country music that I make, it would have helped me. Um, but if I'd been able to be aware of something like Proud to Be in Baseball or Charity, that really would have helped me. So it's, it's, that's the mission behind all the stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's really, I've released a, my debut single last year is left called left field. All the best things come out of left field is which is a, has a baseball title, but it's really not about baseball at all. It's yeah. about life. And, um, it's really true. Like you just never know what's going to happen and you got to just show up to the ballpark or to the recording studio, wherever you are every day and put your best foot forward and try to be the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. And you don't know what's going to happen. That's the beautiful part. And as to God, on, on that note, I listened to your cover of hell of a year and Oh, it was beautiful. Thank you. It was beautiful. And I got to say, I mean, that, that just kind of like, it's just such an overview of all of these things have just been going on. And I, we got through it and it's a hell of a year. And I was, I was love. It was lovely. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. That, I love that song. It's a, it's a Texas country song. I love Texas country, you know, as a genre, it's, it's slightly different than what we do in Nashville, but I, I wanted to do that. And, and again, you know, it's, you don't know what people are going to think when you put out a song and that's part of the scary part, but we've, we've got some good responses to that one too. 
Yeah, for sure. I was I was um, texting with my son while I was prepping for this interview. And so he was listening to some of your music. He said, Mom, 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 you've got to listen to this song. I'm like, I'm already listening to the song. Thank you. Nice. So, yeah, so we had a little bonding moment over that. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Very nice. And and just unfortunately for our listeners that this is a, a audio-only feed, but we will be posting a, a picture on our Instagram. Just want you to know that in, in our usual podcast stats, we do go over stats once in a while. And one of the stats that we have created with the help of our friend Ollie is uh, that called QHAR, which is quality hair above replacement. And we have to say that your score, you hit it out of the park with the QHAR. And I just want to know, oh, no. yeah, no, looking, fa- man, I wish we had the video of this, looking fabulous. But just because we do encourage this with baseball players, what are some of your secrets for managing the QHAR during play? Like, do you have any tips for those who would like to improve their QHAR stats? Oh, my God. You just got to commit to it. <laughs> like, I had, so I had a buzz cut my whole life. What? Like, military. Like level, like level one. You gotta see pictures, man. You gotta send us some pictures. I've made those cuts. <laughs> I, I've done those cuts. Yeah. Wow, that's that's short, man. And I wanted to get a little bit of lettuce out the back of my ball cap, mm-hmm. and so I did, and I hit better. This was maybe oh. like four, five years that. ago. So then I started to get longer, and our, our coach said, "You don't look like a ball player anymore." You, and you got to cut some of that. And I cut a decent chunk of it, and I didn't get a hit for like 30 days. <laughs> and I said, Coach, this is on you. Right. This is your – I'm superstitious. I'm a baseball player. Right. You're messing with my mojo. <laughs> he said, all right, you can let it go. And, and so anyway, yeah. you can't see it because it's a podcast, but it's, it's, it's down, to, it's down it's there. It's impressive. And my, but my, my, my hair tricks for – you know, when I'm playing, I, I kind of tie it in a ponytail out the back of the ball cap just to kind of get it out of the way. But um, definitely helps helps with the, you know, helps with my mojo and kind of it's my good luck thing. All right. <laughs> and I got to say, you're, you're clearly an inspiration to many of the current Orioles, which yes. is the team with the best flow yeah. currently. Yeah. currently. All right. Well. Brian, we're going to wind this up a little bit, but before we go, we want to let our listeners know where they can catch your music and okay. how they can find Proud to Be in Baseball. And and if you're going on tour, or even, like, I know you're doing a baseball tour, a baseball uh-huh. park tour, and yeah. then any music tours, where can we get all the stuff? We want to know more. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, So many things. I know I ask all the questions at once in one breath. Um, social media, Facebook, um, Instagram, TikTok. YouTube at Brian Ruby official. That's Brian with a Y Ruby with a Y Brian Ruby music.com. And, um, I guess, you know, just, just follow along, um, all the streaming sites that you would play music on Spotify, Apple music, uh, iTunes, uh, Amazon, YouTube music, you name it. Um, you know, those are, I'm on all the things and, and you're right this summer, I'm going to be playing ball, playing in a few different tournaments overseas. I'm not, quite retired yet but uh i'm still still going and and uh, also doing a little music tour going around different major league and minor league ballparks singing the national anthem singing god bless america sometimes or doing um, short little pre-game or post-game concerts so it's i'm doing a whole lot of stuff around baseball and you know if you are somebody who listens to this podcast and you see me out and about and i happen to be at a ballpark near you come say hi Come introduce yourself. That's fantastic. We, we absolutely will. Maybe we'll catch you at, a, at Pride Night at, at Camden Yards. All right. That would deal. be big fun. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much for sharing this time with us and letting us know about everything that you do. And we hope that our listeners follow up with you because we're really impressed and really happy to have you. Thank you so much. It was great to be on. Thank you. We hopped off the bus, shook off the dust, took a little time getting all set up.
Should have held up my Orioles badge over here. Oh, See, there you go. oh, okay, you're so picking I, favorites I already, interview. man. I'm trying. I'm gonna try oh. not to take that. I, I saw you hanging out there with Jim Palmer. That was that was fun. Yeah, 